everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Infertility Podcast. This is your host, Kathy Quillett, CEO of Tennessee Reproductive Therapy in the Quillett Institute. I'm glad that you're back for another episode. I hope that you enjoyed Emily from the Helen James Foundation in our last episode talking about stillbirth and how to just really live well and auger into that season. And yeah, if you are still interested in looking them up or supporting them and their cuddle caught endeavors, you can do so at the HelenJamesFoundation.com. Y'all today, I'm super excited about my guest. I have not had anybody like him and his expertise on here before. You've probably read somewhere in a tagline who's coming on tonight or today, rather, whenever you listen to this, but I have Dr. Matthew Pollard on with me. Um, he is a men's health and infertility trained urologist, and I'm going to allow him to introduce himself because his expertise is along and his training is even longer. Dr. Pollard, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am so, so y'all, we were just kind of chit-chatting online and passions align, just dealing with the intricacies and, and the stories and narratives that are being written in these couples' lives and the pain that lives in the spaces of infertility and diagnosis. So before we dive into all of that, Dr. Pollard, who are you? Um, where have you been? I think you said six, seven states you've lived in. Six states. Six. Um, and what I didn't, well, I'll tell you in a sec. So I'm Dr. Matthew Pollard. Um, I was born in Texas, grew up in West Virginia and Wyoming. Actually spent part of my childhood overseas in Kathmandu, Nepal also. Wow. Um, yeah, very. My, my mother was a, she was an OBGYN who uh, was teaching modern gynecologic surgery in Kathmandu. Um, so our whole family moved there when I was 11 and, um, but when we moved back from what, from Kathmandu, ended up moving to Wyoming where I went to high school. Okay. Um, I went to college at, at USC in, in Los Angeles and initially was going to be a theater major and, uh, <laughs> very sharp right turn after freshman year into urology, a, yeah, into, <laughs> did a public <laughs> health major and decided to follow my parents' footsteps and become a doctor. Mm. Um, I went to medical school in New York at Mount Sinai and then returned to California for residency at UCLA. Um, while in my residency at UCLA was sort of, I was sort of seeking what part of urology I was passionate about and, and what really was fulfilling to me. And it wasn't until the, the latter part of my, my training when my mentor, uh, Dr. Jesse Mills, joined faculty at UCLA that I found what we refer to as andrology or male infertility and men's health specialization. Um, so with his guidance, ended up doing a fellowship last year uh, in Houston, Texas with uh, Dr. Larry Lipschultz, who is one of the, one of the greats of, of microsurgery and male infertility in the United States. And um, toward the end of my training was looking for a community in a medium to large size city where there was a need that I could fill as far as fertility care and, and Nashville was it. Um, so I moved here with my, with my husband in August and started working uh, at Associated Urologist in Nashville in September and launched my brand, which is Nashville Men's Health, the first fellowship trained men's health and infertility practice in Nashville in over a decade. We are happy to receive you here. <laughs> Thank you so much. I mean, 
it has been such a rewarding and fulfilling experience starting this practice here and collaborating with with people obviously with with physicians and and practitioners throughout Nashville but also all over Tennessee really it's been incredible I'm sure people are coming from all corners of the state yeah. and probably <laughs> surrounding areas to see you because it's help has been far away and now it's here yeah. and so I was telling Dr. Pollard before we got on here that he has helped many of my couples um, find answers and done so brilliantly and with compassion and a superb bedside manner. So, yes, yes. So you became even more impressive when you talked about Nepal. (laughs) Yes. And yeah, it's, yeah. Changed our lives for sure. That's awesome. And are you allowed to say that you've been to USC and UCLA for school? I'm a SoCal girl and that yeah. is so taboo. I know, I know. But my, to be honest, my heart is always, I'm always a Trojan, so. Trojan, okay. Yep, okay. USC all the way. Um, yeah. I was, I was, uh, I was, I don't know. Have you seen the movie Pitch Perfect? No, but I know what you're talking about. Okay. So I was in, I was in collegiate acapella at USC. So that was, that was my big thing there. <laughs> oh my gosh. So fun. Okay. So let's talk about men's health. Absolutely. I, I, and infertility, because that's why we're all here. And I'm hoping that the women who typically listen to this are like elbowing their husbands and being like, (laughs) you have to actually pay attention to this one. Make an appointment. Right. (laughs) So in your practice, like what are some big, I just, I just kind of want to do the 40,000 foot view to begin who's coming into your office and what are they struggling with? Like, what do you see as the needs for men, um, in men's health and infertility? So I have, there are several types of types of men who come into my practice and they, they end up coming to my, to my office from different routes. So a lot of referrals come from, come from our local fertility centers. So in Nashville, there's Nashville Fertility Center. There's Tennessee Fertility Institute. There's a Center for Reproductive Medicine. Um, and obviously, when when male partners who have gone to these places have a semen analysis that comes back abnormal, they end up getting referred to me for a further workup. Um, so that's one way that men end up coming to see me. Uh, there are other men who have seen urologists in the community or in their community, if it's outside of Nashville, who have had sort of cursory workups for male infertility and mm-hmm. have been given sort of vague answers and who are looking for more specific answers and maybe a more thorough workup who end up coming either self-referred or referred by their primary care doctors to me. And then there are men who with their wives have been trying to have trying to have a child for a year or more, or sometimes six months or more, and take it upon themselves to to find somebody in the community who they can go and see and have an evaluation and they end up self-referring to me as well. Um, so there's lots of different ways that men come to see me, but um, one of the things that has sort of been a common thread has been that um, men are always, they're all looking for an answer. And so hmm. that's one of the, one of the big things that, that I try to, to provide them is, even if it is an uncertain answer, providing, providing men and, and, and couples with, with some information that will allow them to 
plan their family, whatever way that is, whatever route we end up going, providing them with recommendations based on our workup and based on all of our time together that allows them to start planning their lives and planning their families with their wives and, mm-hmm. and kind of moving forward. Yeah. What are some of the biggest diagnostic obstacles that you see as uh something that people like is an obstacle to people getting pregnant. So one of the things that a lot of men don't realize and a lot of men, men's doctors don't maybe aren't educated about, or don't, don't inform them about is that testosterone replacement therapy is, will basically shut off sperm production. So I see a lot of louder for the people in the back, because I know so many people (laughs) who just the other day, somebody told me my husband is taking testosterone given by his gym. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so there was a study that was done where they, they polled urologists. So within the medical community, you would expect urologists. We, we do a lot of testosterone replacement therapy in what we do because of men's health and men come to see us for any number of problems. And sometimes they, they mention low testosterone. So we do an evaluation and we treat them and start them on therapy, but there was a poll that went out to all urologists across the country. And they asked if you had an infer- a male infertility patient, what would you do? And one of the options was start testosterone replacement therapy. And almost 30% of urologists in the country said that they would start testosterone replacement therapy in a man with fertility issues, which is very much the wrong answer. Um, essentially testosterone replacement therapy whether it's from the gym or from your doctor or whatever route it comes from, essentially shuts off the messaging from your brain to your testicles to make your own testosterone and also your sperm. So that's one of the, one of the huge misconceptions in male fertility and men's health is that testosterone replacement therapy will severely impact your ability to produce sperm. Does it have long-term effects? It can have long-term effects, but usually they are not insurmountable. So whenever patients come to me who have been on testosterone replacement therapy, who either have no sperm, which we call azospermia or low sperm counts, which we call oligospermia, usually with a combination of different medications and and time, uh, we can usually regain either normal or adequate spermatogenesis or sperm production to sort of move forward with fertility planning. Okay. So what else are people coming in diagnostically? I hear a lot of motility issues, a lot of morphology issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are they- so a lot of men, so one of the most common causes of, of male infertility is actually a varicocele. And a varicocele is, is essentially a dilated vein that's not allowing blood to move away from the testicle normally. So what that does is it causes the testicle to on one hand, be warmer than it should be to produce healthy sperm, which can, as you mentioned, impact morphology and motility. But on the other hand, it doesn't allow the cellular waste that comes with making cells and and making a lot of cells like sperm cells. There's a lot of cellular waste that comes with that. So it doesn't allow that waste to be moved away from the sperm effect efficiently. So it can kind of impact the health of the sperm overall. So the way that we diagnose a varicocele is with a physical exam. So there's some men who come in who have had a semen analysis and maybe had a scrotal ultrasound ordered 
who may have a varicocele on an ultrasound, but we don't feel it in the office. That's a very different situation than one that we can feel on, on physical exam. So we classify them as subclinical varicoceles, which are only seen on ultrasound, and then clinical varicoceles, which we feel on exam. What we found is that only the clinical varicoceles that we see on physical exam in the office are the ones that impact fertility. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do a pretty thorough exam feeling for basically feeling the cord that comes down from the body to the testicle to feel those veins to see if they're dilated. And if they are, then we talk about surgical surgical options for correction, um, which I do as a, as a microscopic surgery. Fancy. <laughs> Very fancy. Very fancy. Um, and minimally invasive, which is, which I think all patients appreciate. <laughs> well, I think a lot of women going through infertility want the man to go through something slightly a yeah. little bit more <laughs> yeah. than, uh, heard somebody talking about the other day that we, uh, men are complaining about the, how invasive a COVID swab is. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. like every year a woman goes and gets <laughs> like, a, a pelvic, you're like, really you feel violated by that. Come on. <laughs> Well, okay, I think so, all men are happy that the the swab for for STI screening is gone. Um, uh, okay. Because it used to be basically like a COVID swab into private parts to test for that. So luckily that's gone. Too. Oh, well, there you go. See? Yeah. So obviously, Dr. Pollard, we can talk about lots of different things that men struggle with medically, right? I don't want you to diagnose the listeners and I don't want them to be able to go to their physicians and be like, well, Dr. Pollard said, whatever, let's pivot a little bit and talk about emotions. The men that come to you obviously are, have most of them have probably been trying to conceive with their partner for a while. Um, what do you find that they're experiencing emotionally? So a lot of my patients struggle with the, the feeling that their fertility issues are directly related to their masculinity as a man um, and feeling like they are less because they're having issues with fertility or issues conceiving. And really they're just looking for somebody who can, who they, who they can really talk to about that and who can explain, Mm -hmm. you know, this has nothing to do with, this has nothing to do with how masculine you are or how much of a man you are. This has to do with either a hormonal problem or a physical problem or any, any number of reasons that men have issues with fertility. Um, and yeah. it really has, it's totally separate from how, how masculine you are or, or how macho you are or, or what society's views of, of what it means to be a man. It's a very, it's, it can be a very challenging and, and very, very emotionally, emotionally difficult, uh, road to go down with men. Yeah. I even appreciate you pointing that out. And I feel like a female listener would hear this and say, I know that they're struggling, but they're not talking. Society looks at this as such a female issue, even if it's male factor infertility. I remember in the middle of our own story, people would come up to us or, or I'm sorry, come up to my husband and be like, Oh, how's Kathy. Right. And he's in this, he's one half of this struggle bus that we're on. Right. Right. And they're not looking to him. They're looking to him to like be my rock and be my, my foundation. And so many men, when they come into my office, looking at the mental health angle 
or like, I just want to be here for her. It's yeah. might be male factor infertility, but I need to make sure she's okay. Cause this is harder for her. And I want us to be look, you know, so often at a wedding, everybody's watching the bride go down the aisle and I look at the man. Cause I'm like, what's your experience. Yeah. And I think we need to do that with infertility also, because the men are struggling too. This is a huge desire for them. And they do have to be this like machismo protector, fixer, hold it all together. Yeah. And they're not given the opportunity to a lot. And they, I love that you're, they're showing you that in your office. Yeah. Because they have to somewhere. Yeah. It definitely takes, it takes time and, and oftentimes a lot of coaxing to really breach the, to breach the topic of, you know, how are you doing? with for with everything that's going on but once once men start talking about it i think it is incredibly helpful and and therapeutic and and healing to to understand you know this is not this is it's it's not a problem that you feel this way it is normal for you to for you to feel depressed or frustrated or sad or however you're feeling is totally normal and and you're in this too. And, you know, yeah. as, as I tell all my patients up to 50% of, of infertility with a couple, there is a male component, whether not necessarily just a male component, but up to, up to half of couples have a male component to their fertility issues. So the fact that it's sort of this unseen and unspoken problem that a lot, that a, a large number of men face is, is really tragic. And yeah. And they suffer in silence and it's, yeah. it's rough. Yeah. So two men, let's say, let's start talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I, it might be really difficult to talk about at the gym or a conference table or over golf it might be hard to talk about with your, your wife. We need to find people, whether it's just getting validation from you, whether it's scheduling an appointment with me or a colleague like having that work is important. Absolutely. Because what I say to a lot of my people is after infertility become or comes pregnancy and postpartum, if you're successful, those are terrible times to work on yourself. Those are terrible times to work on your relationship. Those are terrible times to work on your mental health because there's so many other contributing factors going on. Once you bring baby home, now's the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like you, like you were mentioning earlier, it's, it's, it's about continuing to grow and continue to live your life through this experience. Mm. Um, it's not just pausing while you're dealing with fertility and then yeah. dealing with it later. This is, this is the time, mm. this is as good a time as any to work on your relationship and work on your mental health. And, and if anything, this is a better time to work on your mental health because you're experiencing all these all these emotions and, and new feelings and frustrations and, mm-hmm. and your relationship is growing and shifting. And now is like you said, now is the time. The way through it is through it. It's not around yeah. it. It's not over it. It's right through it. Yeah. Which is good. Let's pivot back to medically. What mm-hmm. can men do on their own to help their sperm? Funny story. I remember right after my wedding, my mom, she's passed, but she was pretty inappropriate and Mm -hmm. kind of, kind of ballsy. 
And I remember <laughs> we're sitting all in my living room with my brand new husband. And she's like, well, it's time for me to have some grandkids, Tyler. So you better loosen your underwear. And I was <laughs> like, okay, thanks, mom. Like crawl in a hole. Um, what can men do to help their fertility from your point of view? Yep. Um, so pretty much anything that's good for your body in general is good for sperm health. So whenever I, any, any man who comes to see me, we always talk about behavioral changes. So one big thing in the U S is definitely alcohol intake. Um, so all the studies show that less than five alcoholic drinks a week is the, is the benchmark for healthy sperm production. So I usually tell men, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to completely abstain from alcohol, but significant reductions in alcohol intake will help your sperm production. The other thing is a healthy balanced diet. So lots of fresh, freshly grown things. So less processed foods, more fresh greens, fresh fruits, things that have antioxidants in them definitely can help protect the DNA of your sperm as it's created. Um, there are free radicals that are floating around in the, in the tubules inside the testicle surrounding where the sperm are created. And if we have more, more antioxidants in our body, it protects our sperm from that damage as it's growing and developing. Um, exercise is certainly important. So I recommend at least 30 minutes of strenuous exercise with a combination of weightlifting and cardiovascular exercise at least four times a week um, and getting plenty of sleep. So I think we underestimate how important sleep is for our bodies in general and especially our overall health. Um, so I, I tell all men at least seven to eight hours of sleep a night at the same time, it's very important. At the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's not gonna count if you just nap. Yes, if you fall on the, yeah. sleep on the couch from six to 8.30 and <laughs> say, I've had a and couple of beers. Yeah, right. exactly. Get in your bed, get comfy, <laughs> cuddle up to your partner. Any other advice? Like it, let's say as a takeaway gift here, um, what would you offer them as a suggestion? Obviously you gave good lifestyle, um, suggestions, but is there something that they can be doing or some truth that you want to leave people with, especially the men who are listening? Well, first I would say, remember that your sperm health is almost a perfect reflection of your overall health. So, hmm. so men who have, may have slightly decreased sperm counts, if they're overweight, if they or eating poorly, if they either smoke or drink a lot of alcohol or things like that, that's the reason that in some men, the reason that sperm counts are low is because of changes in their overall health. Now, this doesn't apply to men with, with more advanced fertility issues, but, but the average man with, with sort of borderline semen analysis results, a lot of this can be helped significantly with lifestyle changes. Um, the other thing that I would say is if you're having trouble, don't wait, go and get evaluated, make an appointment. If you've been trying with your wife for six months to a year, and you have a feeling that so that there could be something going on, just make an appointment. It's, it's easy. We are very friendly and it's easy to get evaluated and to figure out, is there a problem? And if there's not a problem, great. That's the mm -hmm. best news you could get. But if there is a problem, oftentimes there are things that we can do to help. And sometimes those take time. So the longer, the longer we wait to get evaluated, the longer it takes to move forward with family planning and with potential pregnancies and things like that. So I, I would, I would recommend 
be healthy. And if you're having problems, make mm-hmm. an appointment. Awesome. And I want to add one more thing, ladies, if you're listening to this, don't go home and shame your husband with this information. Like, yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like <laughs> it's like, it would be so easy. I mean, so much is culturally tied up into that region for men. Like, right. Mm-hmm. We know that from when we're young, I think it could be something that could conversations around this could be so triggering, so damaging for your partner's masculinity. Absolutely. Right. And so having these conversations be, be gentle, be kind and um, collaborative and collaborative and have it be more of a team rather than like you have an issue, go get checked out yep. or, and, and even with the, like with, with dietary and lifestyle changes, that's why I never say like, you cannot have any of this because then it becomes, I, th- I feel like it becomes more of a, I don't, I, I hesitate to say weapon, but it becomes a, a target for it does. You're not, you're not doing this. And this is why right. it's fertility issues are so complex. And it's, we, like we, like we were saying, you come back to, you still have to live your life. And so yep. while we're going through all of this, we have to be patient with each other. We have to be gentle with our partners. We have to be supportive and, and it has to be a collaborative thing. Not, not why are you doing that? Like, why did you have that for dinner last night? It is, it's, it, it needs to be, like you said, it needs to be a gentle and, and collaborative and, and team teamwork approach and not, not a targeted approach to shame, to shame each other into making changes. Yeah. And you're giving people wiggle room. There are so many programs, so many coaching programs out there, grimace, grimace that are like, well, if you only eat carrots on Tuesdays and beet (laughs) juice on Fridays, well, certainly you're going to get pregnant. And so fertility issues turn into disordered eating or body shaming. Yep. And Absolutely. you're giving them the the ability to say, you know what, I don't want to move my body today, and I want to have a couple beers. And you know that's okay. <laughs> totally. <laughs> because we're still we're still human beings, and we still like we were saying earlier, you still have to live your life through this whole process. And if it's not worth treating each other poorly over, so right, it has to be a team teamwork. Good, Dr. Pollard. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely, I'm so happy to be here. Okay. So if people want to get a hold of you, um, where do they find you? You're on Instagram. Uh, if they want to schedule an appointment with you, where do they go? Absolutely. So on Instagram, uh, you can follow us at Nashville men's health. And if you want to schedule an appointment, our website is www.nashvillemenshealth.com. Uh, there'll be a phone number to call to make an appointment. You can see bios there talking about our sort of our history and my history and my training um, commonly asked questions are there all the all the different uh, different men's health issues that we treat are there so please take a look at the website and make an appointment we're happy to see you in the office awesome awesome all right everybody have a great week go out and thrive see you next time <laughs>